You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 113, the 2019 year-end Orgasmorama. Podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia, movies, music, sometimes bad movies, sometimes good movies, all sorts of things. My name is Greg. I'm joined by Jimmy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, sir. Welcome, Thank Jimmy. You. Thank you. And that other disembodied voice that you hear wafting through your earphones is Rob. Wafting through your ear holes. <laughs> oh, man. In so many... Accurate. Horrible way. Anything. Uh, and <laughs> anything. Anything is still here. And, and later on, <laughs> you will hear from our oh, children's funny. movie correspondent, Ethan. So this is not one of our usual episodes. You can probably be thankful for that, as we are not going to be reviewing Robo Vampire 2 or 3 or 4. That will happen in the new year, I'm sure. Uh... But we are going to do our best of the year and some worst of the year. Yep. And in a little mm-hmm. celebration that I like to call the best of the year orgasmorama. But they don't want me to call it that. But I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> That's fine. So we're going to celebrate whatever. 2019. It's not Gherkin Hodor or whatever it is. Yeah. Batman and his soapy Gherkin. <laughs> That's a callback. Yeah. It is a callback. For all of for all of you fans that have been here since the beginning and are still not in mental institutions. Or if you are in a mental institution, don't t- forget to take your medication and listen to the orderlies. And tell everyone else at the institution to give us a listen. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, spoilers, Jimmy. Let people know about them. Yes, this is a year-end review show. So... Um, we might be dropping some spoilers, uh, for books, movies, uh, shows, things that have happened in 2019. So if you've been hibernating for an entire year, you might want to go back to sleep. Or just let us catch you up on the only stuff that you should check out. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Really? That's what we're here for. So usually we do news. We do... Florida man stories. We do all of that stuff, but we're just going to get right into it with our topics. And our first top five list of 2019 is going to be the top five books. All right. So who has got a top five book list? We all, by the way, another thing for you listeners out there, we all didn't do lists of everything because we wanted to make sure that it was the best five of the people that actually had a chance to see everything. Yeah. So, for example, uh, I uh, have not read five books that have come out in uh, 2019. I have only read one, and it was a great one. Yeah, uh, just an honorable mention here, as I have not read uh, or really discovered five. I'm going to go with uh, just just a shout-out to C.S. Humble, good friend of the show. Uh, his, uh, what do you call that, uh, his compilation, compilation of stories, Minotaur, 
Um, you can check back to that episode where we uh, interviewed CS and check out the book if you're into horror stories. So uh, I will um, pass the mic to my man, Easy, better known as Rob, who's cheesy. I like cheese. Yeah, so do I. I wish I had some. Cheese, cheese is delicious. Mm. You, uh, you did actually read another book that came out this year because I bet you read Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting 3, did you not? I sure did, and I'm going to give a shout-out to our friend Joe Ballerini for that one. Woo! Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Well, my top five list for and books of tw- 2019 is actually all books that came out in 2019. Go figure. Wow. I actually managed to read a bunch of books that came out this year. Well, I didn't read them. I I do pretty much all of my books on Audible now. I'll start at number five. My number five is going to be a book from uh, author Charles Dean. It is actually another series that is very much like The Land, Jimmy. And it's called War Eternus. But it's going to be the fourth, uh, fourth book in that series called Harbinger of Ash. And it's along the same lines. It's a it's okay. a literary RPG kind of thing where a guy gets transported into like a RPG type game. Um, very entertaining. I like the characters. I'm enjoying it. So that's two series now that I've gotten into that are lit RPG series. At number four, I'm going to put up a book called Seven Blades in Black, which mm-hmm. is which is actually a very good book. It was I, I kind of stumbled across it on Audible when I was looking for other stuff to read as my as my other as my other books ran out. But that was written by Sam Sykes and it's kind of a uh fan fantasy slash magic almost like revenge type story. It involves wizards and mages and one person who's kind of like a almost like a western outlaw type character cool. and she it's actually a female lead and in fact the top 4 books on my list are all female lead characters Ooh. so they all center around a female lead the top 4 books um so it's a female lead character Salva Cacophony and she's hunting people and it's kind of like a revenge story. You know, you find out more about it as the book progresses. But it's, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it very much. Liked it a lot. That sounds number th- like a me thing. I would enjoy that as well. It, I, like I, think, I think you might, actually. I mean, there, there, are, there are a bunch of names, so you might get confused because there's more than three names in the book. <laughs> son of a, son <laughs> of a bitch. Uh, but um, it, it was very enjoyable. He's not wrong. I liked it a lot. Not wrong. I liked it a lot. <laughs> not angry. <laughs> Uh, at number three, I'm going to put a book that came out later in the year from an author who I really enjoy. And that's Brandon Sanderson. Brandon mm. Sanderson has written series like the Stormlight, the Stormlight Chronicles archive? archives. I think it's Stormlight Archive. Yeah, you're right. It's Stormlight Archive. He's written several other several other series. He He does very good work. But he has started a new series that began with the first book called Skyward. The second book was released this year, and it was called Starsight. And it follows the same lead character, okay. uh, Spensa. And she's a basically a fighter pilot fighting for the DDF, which is the, the human defense force. You know, it's um, 
So they're fighting basically for their survival because it's it's like this this alien race is trying to wipe them out. And and she's their best pilot and she's got special powers that they haven't quite figured out yet. She learns a whole lot more about her powers in this book. She actually travels off world. It's very well done. I'm really enjoying this story. I can't wait for the next for the next book. My number two book is actually the culmination of a trilogy. It's the third book in the series, and it is the final book in the series. And it's called Dark Dawn, and it's written by Jay Kristoff, I believe is his name. And yeah, Jay Kristoff. And it follows a, a female character who was trained to be an assassin that ends up turning against the, the assassins that trained her and finding out more about her history and her life and where she came from. And it's very strong female lead. It is a little bit uh, racy at times. Okay. He, he writes sex scenes into his book. So if you're listening to it, listening to it on audible, don't be listening to it on speaker or like in your car, really loud with the windows down or whatever, because it around children, it could get really awkward, really fast. Sure. So there, there aren't a ton child outside of the playground. Exactly. Exactly. There aren't a ton of the scenes. And in fact, there's less of it in this book than in the previous two books. And I really enjoyed this final book. So it was a great way to end off the series. I really liked where the story went. I liked how we wrapped it up. Very enjoyable. But my number one is also the culmination of a trilogy. And that was by Mark Lawrence. Yep. By Mark Lawrence. Joey Lawrence's Um, brother. Exactly. Exactly. I've, I've discussed, I've discussed some of his books in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. Notably the the almost like Viking style, uh, the Red Queen's War. I yes, oh, yeah. the first one was called. Yeah. He wrote that one as well. But I found this trilogy after reading that one, so it was like recommended because oh, he also wrote. So I looked into it and I've really enjoyed this series as well. It was about a female character named Nona who was recruited into an abbey and she was trained as like a warrior nun. We have a Almost. lake named after her here. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And so she was trained as a warrior nun, kind of like the Shaolin monks, you know. And it's it's all about the the trilogy is all about her progression. And there's three different there's three distinct classes of nun. There's the Red Sisters, the Gray Sisters, and the Holy Sisters. And that coincidentally was the title of each of the three books. Red Sister was the first one. Gray Sister is the second. And this last one is called Holy Sister. And it's a nice wrap up to the story, just like the other ones. I really like his writing style. I really like the way that he wrote it. It was also an excellent narrator. So the. Oh, it. it, And and actually, believe it or not, well, not believe it or not. I mean, I typically don't listen very long if the narrator is crappy. But all, all five of the books on this list have great narrators. So I highly recommend it. Holy Sister, number one, if you're looking for some books, if you're interested in some books with some really strong female leads, the top four books on this list, money. Excellent. Very well done. Nice. And Babysitter's Guide, uh, book three has a strong female lead. Absolutely. So definitely check those out. Thank you, sir. Uh, literally none of my books have strong female leads. 
but they are also none of them are fiction. Now Rob has heard yeah. this list. Rob has heard this list before because we did a little bit of a guest stint on Trick or Treat Radio podcast, mm-hmm. and so he already had I a chance to it. mock me. <laughs> because he did. That's he did. What I do. <laughs> he did. I had to edit six minutes off of his rants to get it to fit in the ten minute time period there. But my books, these are going to be. It's not on purpose, but they're all going to be nonfiction. So the first one is book I just finished. Walk this way. Run DMC Aerosmith and the Song That Changed American Music Forever by Jeff Edgars. It is a book about the song Walk This Way, which you would think, well, how much can they possibly say about it? But at the time, hip-hop slash rap was completely underground. Mm-hmm. They meant make mention of the fact that, you know, white folks didn't like it. In fact, white folks were didn't like it, but were more likely to like rap and hip-hop in the early 80s than than black folk it's weird because they were saying that basically all of the the black musicians at the time they were really pulling from the 60s and 70s and a lot of disco and things like that and they were they were very much purists and blues and things like that so when run dmc they didn't really have a market on radio at all and then when it came together with aerosmith who also at the time didn't have a market and it blew up and it became one of both of their most popular songs it was, and it brought rap to the mainstream. It's a really interesting book, very well researched. Uh, you learn a lot about the, both of the bands and the 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 hip hop and rap scene in New York of like the late seventies, early eighties. It's interesting. Uh, this one is a book that actually did come out in very late two thousand eighteen. My number four, but uh, because of how late it came out in the year, it was hard for me to finish it. So, history of heavy metal by Andrew O'Neill. Jimmy has one thing to say about this and the drummer of Metallica. Go ahead. Sit down, Lars. Thank you. Uh, Andrew O'Neill is a comedian, but he is also a huge heavy metal fan. He has very strong opinions, but he, it's also a very well-researched book. In fact, for the first couple chapters, I didn't really realize he was a comedian, and then like he started letting the jokes like flow out past the the um, research. It was really entertaining. Talks about heavy metal all the way from the you know classical era, basically all the way up to current and tells Lars Ulrich to sit down because he was always standing up at his drums. Uh, We do this podcast guys, because of wanting to talk to the listeners and hear what they have to say about things. And at one point, a listener, Alex Solomita, who you've actually heard on a recent episode contacted me and said, Hey, you should check out the book. Best movie year ever. How 1999 blew up the big screen. 1984. by Brian Raftery. So I picked up the book and he was right. It was an excellent book and it is checking in at number three on my best books of the year. Uh, It talks about all of the crazy movies that got greenlit in that year uh, and really kind of changed the way movies were looked at. And it was right before the internet boom when everyone thought that they could have an opinion about movies instead of just three podcasters sitting in their respective offices. So that is best movie year ever. How 1999 blew up the big screen. Number two, Wild and Crazy Guys, How the Comedy Mavericks of the 80s Changed Hollywood Forever by Nick DeSemlian, who I almost mispronounced his name. Uh, This is a book that talks about basically the late 70s to early 80s yet again. Bill Murray, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, 
Animal House, Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, all of these things, how they got made, how these people came out of the, the comedy clubs into SNL. Talks about Groundhog Day. Talks, it's just a really interesting book. And you hear about the makings of these movies that you that have become cl American classics for most part. And number one, as if on cue, Jimmy walks away angrily. Classic. <laughs> as if on cue, Jimmy walks away from the computer because I am about to talk about the Black Crows, which he inexplicably does not like. Hard to handle by Steve Gorman, the drummer of the Black Crows, wrote a book about life in the Black Crows and how they got started and how they broke up and got started. Um, it broke is, up and got started. Yeah, and it is fascinating. Ironically, I finished the book the day that the Black Crows announced they were getting back together. I checked his, tweet, his Twitter feed to see, and <laughs> the only thing on his Twitter feed was hell no. That was it, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. It's like he didn't even have to claim anything like say why he was saying it but you knew uh the book is worth it on audible specifically he does do the reading he is a um also a sportscaster now mm -hmm. but he does the reading and there is a section where he is talking about um jimmy you should totally totally check this book out by the way yeah you should check the part where he is talking about how Jimmy Page came to the band and said hey I've got some riffs and some new music that doesn't fit what I'm doing if you want it and the band basically told him to piss off like the guitarist of the band told him to piss off and caused an entire tour to break up as a result the tirade that he goes on puts any of our rants to shame it is i was i almost had to pull over i was laughing so hard at how angry he was still on the read in audible so hard to handle steve gorman my favorite book of the year uh since we were just talking about music we are going to segue into our top five albums of the year I know Jimmy has to have something, and I'm actually very intrigued to see this list. Sure. Because I want to listen to this stuff, so Jimmy, let me know. Yep, you haven't heard this list yet because I sent my recording to Trick or Treat Radio separately. Um, so my number five, and this is probably going to come as a surprise, is Fear Inoculum by Tool. Yes, it made it that low on my list. Uh because I just enjoyed the uh, next four a lot better. Uh, number four is Arizona's own desert heavy metal gate creeper, who has the coolest name on the list with their album deserted. Number three is, is that uh, cookie monster heavy metal or other heavy metal. That's Cookie Monster Heavy Metal. So this one is not. This okay. is Sessions number one, American Thrash by the band Chrysix. Uh, they are, if you look in the dictionary, um, next to the word thrash, there is a picture of Chrysix. <laughs> uh, number two, Dog Fashion Discos, Tres Pendejos, acoustic album, from Dog Fashion Disco. That is an excellent album. I know yep. that. And my number one album of the year is Ash and Dust by Year of the Cobra. I am still listening to it on repeat. Nice. Word. Greg, what do you have? Okay. So I I was actually very torn as to my fifth because there was there was a lot in there. Mine's a little bit more mainstream than yours. I think I'm actually going to go with Ash and Dust by Year of the Cobra because I still listen to that since our episode as well. When you sent, I've been listening to it pretty much since you sent it to me. I was very, I was, I had that spot open because um, 
uh, I was looking for something synthwave, and there all of the big synthwave albums came out late last year. So there was really not anything stand out this year. Yeah. So that's number number five. Number four, uh, Let's Rock by the Black Keys. So good rock album. It's not as hooky as their previous uh, albums. There, a lot of their previous albums have at least one song that you immediately like, oh, this is the, the big hook. This is going to be the big release. But the album straight through is, is pretty strong. It played really well live. So I'm going to go with that. Another album that fell a little further than I thought it would, although it only fell to three, that is Tool, Fear, Inoculum, basically what you said. Uh, pretty much for the same reason, not a not that one standout track, but I did li- when I listened to that album, it wasn't because I would put it on for one song. I would just let it kind of play through while I was doing some work or something. Yeah. Pretty, you had that experience too, right? Yeah, I did. So like yeah. I couldn't, there was never a time where I was like, oh, I need to hear this one song from this, from the album. But if I was like, I'm going to be sitting here working for an hour and a half or whatever, this is what I would put on. Uh, number two, Dirty Honey by Dirty Honey. We're getting into basically pure rock again. Just reviewed it a couple weeks ago. I'm still listening to it a lot. Just pure, dirty rock. Excuse the pun. And number one, probably not a surprise to anyone, particularly someone that sat next to me for much of the year at work. Number one is Black Pumas, Black Pumas. I listen to the album four or five times a week still. I love it. You can now hear it in what is it, Bank of America commercials or Capital One commercials or something. There's a, yeah, uh, that's definitely an honorable mention for me. It is uh, – I've seen it in – or heard it in Bank of America commercials, and I've heard it in Joanne uh, Fabric Fabric Store. Nice. It's just it's a great excited. album. The, yeah. These guys, they've been touring and avoiding Florida because they listen to our podcast and hear all of the top Florida stories. That's not true. But get to Florida, Black Pumas. I want to see your band. So that Do takes it. us away from albums and into video games. I've got nothing to say. Who does? I've got something to say. Dun, dun. I've only got one video game. Because we're old and we have no time to play video games. But I did play the Dark Pictures Anthology, Man of Medan. Uh, absolutely fantastic game. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you are into choose-your-own-adventure and very good horror storytelling. Nice. And I actually did not play it, but I got to see a friend go through a lot of the... He share-played it with me because I don't own it. So he share-played it, and I got to watch a lot of the gameplay of it. Uh, Fallen Fallen Order is a very nice game. Minesweeper. (laughs) (laughs) Fallen Order. Awesome. Can't wait to play it myself. Yeah, Fallen Order is a very nice game. We are moving on. Our number one Baby Yoda of the year is Baby Yoda. We, uh, this is something that we cover pretty, started covering pretty exclusively Mm -hmm. this year. And... I felt that I would we would be remiss if we didn't add it to the episode. Our top five Florida Man moments of the year. Oh yes. boy! Some of which came in late, and I know that there were just a whole lot of them that I didn't quite get on there. I tried to make them as funny, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll go. So one of them came in this week, actually. My number five. 
a woman sprinkled with urine after a man pees in the queue at Avatar, the Avatar ride flight of what is it? Flight of uh, flight passage. of passage. Flight of passage. Yeah, it, the uh, the man in this story um, was actually Brazilian, uh, but it did happen in Florida, and it was a man. <laughs> so he is a Florida man, and apparently he could not hold his urine in line for flight of passage and decided to pee. So he peed on a lady. Like, yeah, you couldn't have peed somewhere else. Yeah. Like he, j- he just whipped it out and peed in the line. I don't know. So according to the orange County sheriff reporter, a woman was urinated know. on earlier this year while in line for the attraction, which is notorious for its long wait times. The 22 year old woman was in line when she felt something wet on the back of her leg. She turned around, realized a man was urinating in a queue right behind her. Yep. He turned his back, but it splashed on her. So we all know mm-hmm. about that. Like, you ever go to a, a urinal at a, in wearing shorts and you feel Just, spray? You like, walk Ugh. out and your glasses have, like, urine drops the hell on is them. What's wrong with people? I don't know. The 46 year old man stated he would not have urinated if he thought he could have held it or made it to the bathroom without causing further issues. Um, and uh, <laughs> the guy was, was banned from the park for the remainder of the day. He he should have been <laughs> day <laughs> forever. They, so they should five. have they should have thrown him out for the week. Uh, here is my next one. The this one is the I believe the saddest one, but the, just the the headline screams Florida so much. So in fact, this headline came in while I was eating Thanksgiving dinner. A Florida man died from meth overdose before he was eaten by alligator. <laughs> that yeah. sucks. But uh, yeah, I remember, so, I remember that. Yeah, one. sorry, Michael Ford. I'm mm-hmm. I. Yeah, I feel bad for your family. I feel bad for you. But the guy apparently overdosed on meth, and then fell into a canal, and was then eaten by an alligator. Hey, don't do drugs. It has all of the Florida right in the. It's right there. If you do, get help. Yeah, number three. Don't, we've talked about don't this be one. Michael Ford. Yeah. Uh, the official Florida man of Florida. Uh, Florida man gropes Disney performer. Uh, this one, I, I, I tried no, to keep this one out guy. there. I include this. I tried to keep it out, but there is. There's nothing if, funny if his, about this. It's not funny, and I feel bad for the performer because, you know, these, these girls do awesome work and entertain children and are generally very nice people. I have friends that do them. I have coworkers that have worked at Disney in the past. But the fact that the dude's wife was that right there in the photo, it just screamed Florida to me, so it had to stick around. So, sorry. Uh, number two, Florida man has sex with frozen stuffed animal at Target. <laughs> and somehow Rob is still with uh, us. So yeah, well, he's on parole. Yeah. Um, he did ask to, to bring home the evidence, the Olaf stuffed animal that Ol- Mr. It, Olaf was white anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, you couldn't see the stainage. Yeah. So uh, Cody Christopher Meter approached approached a frozen toy display at a Target in Pinellas Park, Florida. Grabbed an Olaf toilet stuffed toy and proceeded yeah, proceeded to perform sexual acts on it on the floor. <laughs> I don't know why this headline, why this article from Channel Twelve News says it, but Olaf is a sentient snowman who likes warm hugs and got way too much of a warm hug. They didn't say that last oh, part. Man. I didn't. But. 
There we go. He also then he finished, but this guy has some staying power because he also did the same thing to a large unicorn stuffed animal a few minutes later. So I mean, wow. I don't know how this guy can't find a girlfriend if he's that. You know, probably because he looks like a Sasquatch. The recharge <laughs> time is impressive. Yeah, um, yeah. He looks like something. Yeah. So uh, he my, looked like uh, Michael Ford after he did meth and was eaten by a crocodile. Yeah, uh, alligator. But uh, number one, alligator. This again. To Florida, not to be on here. The Easter Bunny gets Clamato, into a fight. <laughs> yes, a video posted on Instagram shows the Easter Bunny on Easter, I think the night before Easter, uh, got into a fight in downtown Orlando. He actually was a little bit of a hero because he was beating up a guy who was abusing his girlfriend. However, as things will be, he became semi-famous and tried to you know capitalize on it. And it turned out that he was also running from the police up in New Jersey. So Easter Bunny getting into a fight is my number one Florida story of the year. Taking out all of the crazy ones that involve too much death to be funny. Nope, nope. I've got one that will bump off your your Florida man feels of the Disney performer. Uh oh. We we actually mm. we actually talked about it on one of the episodes, and we were actually way out in front of it too. Was it the turtle one? No, it was the Florida lady. Who her and her husband went to the petting zoo in Alabama. (laughs) And bit bit camel testicles. (laughs) The camel sat on her, and the only way she could get it off was to bite its testicles. Yeah. She was arrested. Animal cruelty. So there you go. There's our Florida stories of the year. You can, depending on your opinion of groping people or biting camel testicles, you can pick which one is your number four. No, no, no. She should be higher on the list. <laughs> the groper guy should just drop off the list completely. You should drop off the face of the earth. Okay, so we have got... We are moving into some of the bigger topics here. Uh, let's let's talk about TV and streaming. Some of you guys actually combined TV and streaming. I separated them. Well, here's the thing, and Rob made a good point before you signed on tonight. They're pretty much ambiguous. Ambi- you know, they're the thing. Uh, ambiguous? Ambiguous. There it is. Uh, Rob, did you want to go first? I can, Okay, actually. So for my best series of the year, there were there were several good series. And I there were a couple that came out that I forgot about that I was like, oh, that came out this year too. Oh. But so I've got to throw a shout out to a couple of series – that almost made the list. And one of those was Russian doll. We talked about it here on the show. I actually really enjoyed Russian doll. Just it, just an honorable mention though. I couldn't put it on the list. And one that came out very recently that we'll probably cover on the podcast. Honorable mention only because I was confused as shit for like the first half of the first season. (laughs) And that's the Witcher. The Witcher probably will end up higher as it goes on, but I was confused as hell for like the first half of the series. I was like, what is going? I don't, I mean, I don't know how many times I turned to, to my friend Jimmy while I was watching it. And I looked him, I looked at him and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I said, why the fuck are you in my apartment? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) So, so Witcher honorable mention, but at number five, it will actually be my only cable series that made the list. 
And that's going to be a series that actually began this year. And it stars, oh, what is his name? The guy that played Luke Cage in the Netflix series, Luke Cage. Oh, are you talking about evil? I am. Hmm. I actually really enjoy that series. Yeah, and it looks wild. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a series about Luke, the guy who plays Luke Cage plays a church official who basically investigates like phenomena and possessions and phenomena. stuff like that. Phenomena. And, and he brings in this psychologist, which is played by the female lead. And he's talking to her to try and prove or disprove the, the demonic phenomena. And it's actually a really well done series. I like it a lot. Very well acted. The the two lead characters have really good chemistry, actually. So it's it's actually going to be my number five. Very cool. At number four, and this this is the only one on the list that did not begin this year, but they did release their third season this year, and it was a return to glory because. The second season was not quite as good as the first season, but the third season stands on par with the first season, maybe a little below, but very, very good. And that would be Stranger Things. So Stranger Things is going to be my number four. All right. My number three is going to be a Netflix series that stars Katie Sackhoff called Another Life. I found this like while I was looking through Netflix. I'm like, oh, what is this? It's a sci-fi series that involves like space travel and it's kind of horror, kind of suspense. They're headed to a a new earth or looking to Mm -hmm. settle a new earth and just phenomenal. Yeah, very, Uh, very good. Would you say Katie Stackoff is athletic looking and has short blonde hair? I I would, yes. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch that. I can't believe you haven't. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Go on. Fans it's, of it's sci-fi, very... fans of Event Horizon, fans yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And, and it had a very strong Event Horizon feel to it, did it? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. It, yeah. It, with the whole how space and the isolation can affect the human mm-hmm. mind, that's a huge takeaway from it. And that's what I think I enjoyed the most about it. So, yeah, very good. It's, it's, it's a psychological thriller. It's a mm-hmm. suspense movie or a suspense series. It's... It's got all kinds of drama in it. It's got sci-fi and action and like all kinds. Of, it's just really good. Check it out. At number two will be a series that came out in the beginning of the year. I believe it was in February. But my number two entry on the list is going to be The Umbrella Academy. Oh, man. Early in the year. Yeah. Came out in February, and I binged the crap out of it, and I loved it. I thought it was great, and we talked about it at length on the podcast. Yep. But my number one just ended, and we'll probably discuss it in detail in another episode, but my number one and the number one craze of the year is going to be The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. They should just Mm. call it The Baby Yoda Show. God, so good. So good. Just finished it myself. Uh, yesterday, actually. <laughs> uh, and and I the last episode had one of the biggest laughs for me. When he says, do the hand thing. Oh. And what? Baby Yoda just kind of waves at him. Yeah. <laughs> I was let's, like, oh, let's get, the, 
God, he's so cute. Get the baby to do the hand it. thing. Come on, baby, do the hand thing. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, we, we're going to discuss yeah. that in a future so, episode. So, uh, I will go ahead and go, uh, go with it, mine, since, Greg, you have two lists. Mine's condensed down to one. This is really difficult. Uh, Rob brought up a couple. I only had one on cable that I folded into mine, so I'll get to that in a second. My number five is going to be Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Mm, that almost made my list. Yeah, up. I really fought with uh, Umbrella Academy putting that in there, but it, it didn't. Instead, number four, my superhero-themed one, was The Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait for the the second season of that. Ooh, I'm going to switch things up real quick here. Number three is going to be Stranger Things Season 3. Mm-hmm. Number two, The Mandalorian. And my number one, Rob, I know you didn't see it. Greg, I think you did. It's What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. I knew it was, that was going to yeah. be on your list, of too. Of course. I can't wait for Season 2. God, give I've me, watched it that season three times already. Give me all of the Taika Waititi. He's holding up a sign. Oh, he was on there. Nice. I had it written down. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Taika Waititi actually directed the most recent episode he of sure did. Mandalorian, and you could totally tell by the opening conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, So yeah. I, I, of course, separated and out that TV. That was and also f- hilarious. I separated out TV and streaming. Um, we had this discussion kind of beforehand. We won't... You just want to look at it. <laughs> and so... Uh, I watched uh, HBO was really strong on the TV and technically there's HBO go. So these could all be streaming too, but um, Silicon Valley, the final season, season six uh, was, was awesome. It was funny. It closed out the entire series really well. And it was definitely it, the whole series all the way through. If you're a fan of the, um, of office space or uh, what was his other movie? Uh, Mike judges, other movie uh, uh, extract. No, the, with Terry Crews as the president. and Oh, uh, Idiocracy. Uh, yeah, a fan of that, Idiocracy. If you like making fun of uh, hoity-toity computer people out in California, Silicon Valley, watch it. The whole All six seasons are great. Fucking nerds. Uh, speaking of computer people, Mr. Robot season four, also the final season. Fucking nerd. <laughs> Excellently executed. It was a mind screw the whole way through the series. And, you know, uh, when Randy season... Malik. when. Yep, Rami Malek, when a, when a season or a final episode can culminate everything you've been seeing when something is that crazy, you're going to make my list. Number three, What We Do in the Shadows. Hilarious, as I just said. Hmm. Watched it three times. Every time I'm just like, oh, I want to watch something funny before bed or something. Just put on and I, I kind of don't have to watch. I can just kind of close my eyes and still laugh. What We Do in the Shadows. Way to go. Uh, number two, The Watchmen. Absolutely insane. Just talked about it a couple weeks ago. Yep. Another one of those where ever, all this weird stuff was happening. It's like, what is going on here? And then they sealed it all up in the last episode. Uh, if it is, it did well, but if it is only one season, it's perfectly fine with me because it was so good and you kind of don't want it to continue. Up. It was so good because it was so good. Uh, like what was like the haunting of Hill house? Like you're like, do you want more? It's not going to be as good. Or like you've always said with the first season of uh, true detective. Yep. You know, it's, it's perfect on its own. Um, check out the Watchmen, and number one, also HBO. That was Chernobyl. The horror of what was going on there, so visually spelled out, and all of the accompanying history behind it was great. The 
the way they showed the meltdown actually happening off in the distance through like an apartment window and you just kind of saw this pop. It was, it was incredibly filmed. It was a beautiful piece. And that was my number one TV show. Now I'm going to jump into streaming and a lot of crossover here. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the dirt. Uh, it's that is only number six though, because while I know it was not good, it was entertaining. But a lot of these things we talked about. So Umbrella Academy is number five. Machine Gun Kelly should never act in anything ever. Yeah, but it was still entertaining as hell. Uh, Number five, Umbrella Academy. Number four, The Boys on Amazon Prime. Stranger Things 3, Netflix number three. The only one that I think really is different from both you guys is Mindhunter season two. Uh, Mindhunter, it totally caught my attention. And I went through season one and two in a week because I didn't know it was even a thing. Lots of true crime, lots of FBI psychology and stuff like that, and does not glorify the killers. And my number one, The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, my number one streaming show. Uh, Had the feel of Star Wars. It was entertaining. I could not wait for it each week. There were days that I actually woke up early to watch it, which is something I never, ever do. So that is my number one streaming show of the year. Well, guys, we are moving into movies, and because we get a chance to watch a lot of movies and review a lot of movies, we are going to do worst movies, really worst movies, and best movies, as well as our children's animation movie correspondent, Ethan, will chime in with the best five or ten, because he felt bad leaving anything out, animated movies of the year. So he just listed all the animated movies. Yeah, but he did. He he spent some time working on it, but he he felt a little bad on certain ones. So he did leave some out. But anyway, okay. we're going to start off with the worst five movies of the year. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll go ahead and and go with mine. Um, and they are uh, the uh, movies that I haven't seen, but I thought looked really stupid. Okay. <laughs> see, that's that's the thing because we are not getting paid to do this, therefore we're not going to go see a movie that looks terrible, right? And, exactly. And, so a lot of times we had to like figure it out. Yeah, and these uh, these looked terrible, so I stayed away from them. Uh, my number five is going to be Charlie's Angels. Uh, number four is Angel Has Fallen. I can't believe that I actually got a sequel after seeing Geostorm starring Gerard Butler. Just don't get it. Number three. It, it, it got a third. Oh, that was... And they're making oh, another one. Wow. Uh, no, Angel Has Fallen was the third one, wasn't it? Yeah, Angel Has Fallen. Uh, it, was, uh, the, it, was, uh, it was America, then Europe, and now whatever Angel was. But right, I think like there's another one. White House. And, and... Anyway, uh, number three is going to be the most controversial on this list, Frozen 2. I will never see one, nor do I care to... Number two is going to be Gemini Man, and the number one dumbest-looking movie of 2019 is The Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Please I stop. actually really enjoyed that movie. I had a lot of fun in it. Yeah. I think it looks dumb. So that, uh, that's thought, my opinion. I actually thought that going into the movie, and I went and saw the movie mm-hmm. and just had a good time in it. Yeah. Go into the movie, don't expect much from it, and you'll enjoy it. I won't. The, but there was okay. only there was only a couple of scenes where I was like, eh, wait a minute, hold on, no. But yeah. Super enjoyable. 
Um, the The Rock and Jason Statham have really good chemistry together. Yeah, kind I of mean, like I The Rock and Kevin Hart. Did they fall in love? They did. I was surprised. Their, eyes, see it now. their eyes locked from across the room. I will go see it. Excellent. I will do my so, worst. Oh no, let me do my worst. Okay, go ahead. Here. Go ahead. Um, because I'm going to rant a little bit. Mine again, because we're again, we're not. We haven't had a chance to see all of these, but I'm basing this on some of them I've seen. But number five, the movie Haunting of Sharon Tate. Uh, it had Hillary Duff in it as Sharon Tate, and they turned what was actually a real murder into a bit of a horror movie. And while I am a big fan of true crime, at least learning about it, uh, this one actually had her uh, imagining herself get killed before she was. So you not only got to see her get killed for real, knowing that she did get killed for real, but you actually got to see her get killed multiple times. So I consider that murder porn at its absolute worst mm. and needs to not have happened. I don't know how that got greenlit. Uh, speaking of murder porn at its worst, Dumbo, Disney, why the hell do you want to make me? <laughs> do you, why do you want to make me cry? Uh, I, no, just no. Rob's going to be angry at this one, but Dark Phoenix. I will admit that I have watched it twice. I will admit that nothing from that movie has stuck with me. Other than I'm pretty sure one of the early X-Men movies and this movie also had like both had like a suburban neighborhood attack sequence. And everything was just understated. No, there was no fear. It was you could tell the people in the movie knew it was the end and they didn't want to put any effort into anything other than bad conversations. Hellboy, we I think the first trailer, we were like, oh, this looks good. I love David Harbour. That's my number two. It was not good and it was not david harbour's fault it was just a mess and speaking of mess cats it's just piling (laughs) piling on at this point but it is an unfinished movie it looks terrible i i don't know why they made an entire movie just for furries but from the first trailer i was like what the hell is this i've heard multiple people have that i've known have gone to see it it is going to be the biggest bomb of the year and none of all the people that saw it said they were either alone in the theater or were alone in the theater by the end of it because people walked out it was so bad not even so bad it's good um so cats i don't know how this person got money uh, tom hooper got money to make this movie but yeah that's number one worst movie of 2019 rob all right Take the floor. Well, I'm going to jump in and do my top five movie abominations of 2019. Because there were some movies that I had some problems with. We're going to jump in with the the lightest of the bunch, and that's going to be The Kid. Did you see this movie? No. Nobody saw this movie. They had a what was this? They had a budget of like eight million or something. Yeah, Chris Pratt in it. I, I know. It and they had a budget of eight million dollars, and you're thinking, oh, eight million dollars—that's no problem. Do you know how much money this movie made? One and a half million dollars. That's it. I'm like, and I hadn't even heard of this movie 
Apparently, this is a movie about Billy the Kid and a little kid that befriends Billy the Kid and it kind of follows him around and it's a story about the two, you know, befriending each other and whatever. Apparently, either nobody cared or they didn't market it. And I'm kind of leaning towards the latter because I hadn't even heard of it. I was like, what is this? And it was in full release. I mean, it came out in the theaters. It was there for like a week and they were like, oh, no, no, we got it. No, we can't do this. This No. So it's an abomination just because of the failure of marketing. That's what I'm going to say for that. At number four, I kind of feel bad because I've already heard Ethan's list. But number four is going to be Ugly Dolls. How can you take a movie that's attempting to teach children that it's okay to be different and it's okay if you don't fit into the the whole society's view of what's pretty and say it's okay to be ugly and then have these adorable little dolls be the character. I'm like, with a movie called Ugly Dolls, shouldn't the dolls be, I don't know, ugly? No. There were these cute little, like, Pink dolls, you know, they were asymmetrical. You know, she had a poof on one side of her head. Her ponytail was on one side of her head. Oh, my God, she's hideous. What? What is that? The whole thing was retarded. I was like, come on. How, how is this even? Uh, whatever. No, you're not teaching the kids that it's okay if you're not pretty. It's it. it you're just, whatever. Stop. <laughs> my number three. And this is this is where it really gets bad. My number three is gonna be. I feel like I should take off my headphones. I think it's gonna get loud. My number three is gonna be a company that I love dearly, and my girlfriend loves dearly. But Disney, what in the hell are you doing? Because my number three entrant on this list is Aladdin. Oh my god. All right. How can you, if you're going to remake an animated musical, wouldn't you think that one of the first things you should look for would be people who can, I don't know, maybe sing? I had zero problem with them casting Will Smith as the genie. He actually played a decent genie. He played the role of the genie fairly well. The huge problem with Will Smith as the genie is that he can't sing for shit. He can rap, but he can't sing for shit. All of his lines are like talk singing. I'm like, what is this crap? Come on, man. And then the guy that they got to play Aladdin wasn't much better. The one person in the movie who could sing was Jasmine. And she was very good. But they altered the story so much. And at the end, Jasmine has this really powerful moment where she stands up for herself and she and she tells the 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 villain, you know, what what's what? And, you know, you can't do this. And I'm a powerful person. And then you find out it's all in her friggin head and none of it actually happened. I'm like, so what did we accomplish? This is stupid. Why would you even put that in? I don't understand. No, stop it. You're killing my childhood. I hate you. No, I don't hate you. I love Disney, but stop it. Come on. You're better than that, Disney. 
Number two. Oh, cats. <laughs> what what have you done? I was hearing some of the stories. Greg was telling me some of the other stuff, too. This movie was unfinished. How in the hell do you release a movie that's unfinished and you're actually uploading patches to the Disney to the digital movie in the theater? Like you're making the theater download patches to the movie. The people who have already gone to see it got a bullshit copy of the movie. The the cost the digital costumes weren't finished. It stopped like halfway down their arms and shit. Did you there see were, pictures of that since I talked about it? Like, no, I haven't, I haven't. I haven't. It makes the, it were, makes them look like they're wearing fur coats instead of being cats because like like the sleeves like stop. So it looks like yeah. someone wearing like, a poofy fur coat. And you told me that there are scenes where the clipping is so bad people are actually halfway sunken into the floor. Yeah. I'm like, how in the how in the shit did this movie make it past editing or or quality control or whatever? Did some jackass look at this and be like, eh, fuck it, nobody will know the difference. Put it out there. Who gives a shit? Yeah. What is this garbage? I'm sorry. This is not a video game. Hello, EA. Yeah, I'm looking at you, EA and Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Day one patches. Screw you. Release a complete game. Anyway, how do you release a movie that people are going to go see and not get the complete version of? Because those people aren't coming back, and I can guarantee you that they're telling their friends, this is a piece of shit. What did I pay for? How in the hell can they put this out and make me watch this garbage? Well, they didn't make them watch it, but they stole your money. They literally, they straight up stole your money if you paid to go see this movie. And you should write an angry letter. You should turn Canadian and write an write a strongly worded letter. Anyway, no cats, no. Don't go see it. Don't support them. Don't don't give them any money. In fact, don't go see the movie. And this is the one instance where it's okay to just badmouth the movie without ever having seen it. Yeah, I give you permission. It is okay. Yeah, don't. Normally we frown on that kind of thing, but you know what? Slam the shit out of this movie because it is absolute garbage and nobody should see this film. <laughs> We're talking about cats and there's a dog barking in the background. I'm leaving it in. Now we come to number one. Yes, I agree. You tell him, Scott. Bark, 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 bark. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, before you get started here, just remember we have an entire three-hour episode of you being angry about this movie. So, mm, I'll try it. to keep it short. There you go. The number one movie on my list is going to be the complete bastardization of my childhood. Well, not my childhood, because I was in my late teens, early 20s. Uh, no, I was in my late teens. And that's going to be Lion King. I'm sorry, Disney, but what the fuck? I know it made a shit ton of money, and I know people were happy to see it. You know what? Those people are friggin' wrong. All right? Go to hell with your stupid, oh, it was so gorgeous. No, they took all of the emotion out of the movie. I did not give a shit when they killed Mufasa. Because there was no emotion whatsoever in the movie. I was completely disconnected from everything that happened in the movie. 
And then on top of that, they threw in the whole social war, social justice warrior crap in it. I was like, give me a friggin' break. This is bullshit. I hate this movie. I hate that Disney released it. Disney, this is a black mark on your record, and I want you to fix it. Stop releasing. You're not going to stop releasing remakes because it made a shitload of money, but I I don't understand it. I I will likely not go see Mulan because of this. And because I'm so pissed off about what they're doing to Mulan. Number one, abomination of the year, Lion King. You can hate me if you want. Send the hate mail to Greg. Uh, no. Give me five podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that brings me to my number one most hated sports uh, cliche of the century. And that's a fan base calling themselves something nation. Uh, we're still on movies, Jim. Gotcha. <laughs> well, for a little special something this year, we have got a review of the best kids animated movies. By another little special something. Rob. <laughs> yeah, baby, I got now, this. Ethan, our six-year-old kids movie correspondent, is joining us to talk about his favorite ten kids movies because he couldn't really break it down to five awesome welcome to the show ethan number 10 buddy my number 10 movies this year was ugly dog oh okay ugly dog is very good number nine. nine was wonder park number eight. eight um angry birds movie two. Oh, fun number seven mm-hmm. Thing we left a pet too. Oh. Number six. Um, the Lego Movie two. Okay. Okay. So now we're getting into the. Those were your your like okay ones. Now we're gonna you're gonna say a little bit about the movie. So number five was. Um. The Anna Family. Oh, very nice. Okay. Um. That the. The hand was the fan was really funny when Uh, the da 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 da. Oh, when he snapped. <laughs> Very good. Nice. Number four. Um, Toy Story Four. Yeah, what did you like about Ooh. that? Um, that um, he's um. Who are your favorite characters? Um, Woody. You like Woody? Yeah, and I liked how he he knew he wasn't um coach to be with his friends, but he wanted to be with um his, one of his best friends. So mm-hmm. he let Jesse in charge in, and I really like when he made his decision that he likes something that he was really you hard like on, like I did with yeah. this. What did you think of uh, Bunny and Ducky? They're so funny. <laughs> hmm. Number three. Abomino. Abominable. Yeah, I liked how he saved his friends. Yeah, you thought that was pretty cool, right? Was that's mm-hmm. what you think of Yeti? He was really funny. Oh, cool. Number two, How to Turn Your Dragon Three. Oh, okay, so what made what made you like that one? The second best of all the movies you saw this year. Um, because um, he he liked the dragon free because he knew they should live on their own and have them free and do what. What they want to do. Oh, Not that's very nice. And then we saw around Christmas time what happened. 
um, Frozen 2. That no, one. no, no. I was talking about Predator Trader Dragon. It was really fun. <laughs> you like Frozen 2? What did you like about Frozen 2? It was my first movie I liked in this year. Oh, wow. So that's your number one? Number well, thank one. Thank you, kids movie correspondent Ethan. I So at my school, we're doing the Frozen Junior show at my school. And I volunteered for Olaf, but instead I went for a, a troll. that They call it a hidden folk. Oh. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's exciting. We're doing it on the podcast, maybe. What do you think? Okay. 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 Maybe you can come back and talk okay. about it. That's fun. No, thank you. Oh, sweet. Goodbye. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, that was our kids movie correspondent, Ethan. At six years old, he's already plugging his future projects. (laughs) He's like, tickets are on sale for $2.75 at the cafeteria. (laughs) That's right. That's amazing. Well, great job, young man. Now we're going to talk about the best movies of the year. Okay, so and I'm guessing were, all of us. Bunch. I'm guessing all of us have some of those. I think so, and I think our list might be wildly different. I actually do too. So, so I'll tell you what I did. I split them into horror movies and and you know everything else. Okay. So I'll hit you with my top five horror movies. All right. Okay. My number five is going to be. Pet Cemetery. Uh, it was corny, but it also elaborated on uh, some other things from the story. Uh, I thought it was really pretty enjoyable. Number four is going to be The Headhunter. Uh, you can check that out on Shutter. Number three, Ready or Not. Number two, Us. And is Ready or Not I, also funny? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because I, I saw a list of the best horror slash comedy. It's a horror comedy. Yeah, sure. And it uh, Tucker and Dale was number one, and, and Ready or Not was like number two or three. Yep. Uh, Interesting. Very enjoyable. My number one horror movie of the year is going to be, no surprise, The Lighthouse. Dun, dun, dun. So very interesting. that will bring me into my top five other movies of the year. Uh, my number five is going to be Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Uh, not a horror movie, but a horrible story behind that one. Number four is going to be Alita Battle Angel. Mm. Number three, appropriately enough, is John Wick 3. Number two is Avengers Endgame. And my number one movie of the year is going to be Joker, starring Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm okay. I'm gonna go ahead with mine now. Mine is, is close to yours. Uh, number five, a movie I had a great time watching Spider Man Far From or is it, yeah, far, Spider-Man Far From Home. Far from home. Far yep, from I, home. Yes, far from home. <laughs> so Spider Man Far From it was just a fun movie. I I always like when you take a character out of their element and yeah, they did it with James Bond. They did it with they've done it with Spider Man. They do all that kind of stuff and getting him in Europe and and it was just fun seeing all of the characters interact. 
Number four is also Jimmy's number four, Battle Angel Alita. I still remember the first time I heard about this movie, it was Rob telling me, check out this trailer, and then him saying that was one of the movies he was looking forward to in Mm -hmm. 2019, which we did last year. And it came out really early in 2019. And I remember remember seeing it, and then I could not wait to buy it on video so I could watch it again. And it was just a well-done movie. It was, even though it was PG-13, it was aggressive. It was hard-hitting. Visually stunning. Yeah, so very well done. Uh, my number three is Joker, which is Jimmy's number one. I would not, immediately after seeing this movie and the next one on my list as well, I didn't know if I would put it on my list, but the movie kind of sat with me. And the jo- Joker only fell because it was a story that I knew exactly how it was going to play through. Like, it didn't surprise me at all. I kind of knew what they were going to do from the very beginning. Just, But... It was so well acted and so well crafted that it surpassed all that stuff. So it was just, it was a very well done movie. And I'm going to, at first I was like, I don't know if I need to see this again, but now I feel like I do. And I still think it's hilarious that they said the whole time that there's not going to be a sequel and now there's going to be a sequel. Billion dollars will do that to you. (laughs) Number two, again, after I saw it, I was like, what do I feel about this movie? And then I talked about it on the show. I read a little more about it. I thought about it, heard interviews, et cetera, et cetera. Once upon a time in Hollywood hmm. uh, for some, you know, haunting of Sharon Tate on my worst five movies. Cause it was murder porn. Once upon a time in Hollywood was in fact a fairy tale about the Manson murders. Uh, I've obviously done a lot of reading on that stuff. So it was very interesting seeing it through the eye of someone who's lived in Los Angeles for many, many years. Incredibly acted movie. Uh, very well written, very well pieced together. Also very long, but I am also looking forward to seeing that one again. And number one, it brought together, it culminated a decade of superheroes in the Marvel decade, Avengers mm-hmm. Endgame. I'm, there are certain scenes in movies that always get my adrenaline pumping. The it's a trap moment in Return of the Jedi. It's a trap! Every time the, it gets my adrenaline pumping. The, uh, the Tyrannosaurus attack on the, in the uh, in first Jurassic Park was chasing the the van, the water mm-hmm. scene gets you know gets it going. The uh, the crow scene when he's attacking the club and he's walking on the the conference table blasting everyone, and of mm-hmm. course the end of Avengers Endgame when when the Avengers assemble. Uh, so many awesome moments in that sequence that I. I Nothing could surpass it, even stuff that is as quality as Once Upon a Time and Joker. So that is my top five movies of the year. Excellent. So I'll go with my top five. There were so many movies that I really wanted to include, but I just couldn't. So special special nods to Knives Out, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. Very, very fun movie. Where did the uh, hundred-hour uh, documentary on tentacle porn come in? Uh, that was actually Christmas? that was actually the the top top one plus plus. Okay, got it. Cool. But we're not we're sure. not going to talk about that. So, so sorry. Continue. Um, so special shout out to Knives Out. I really enjoyed it. It was a super fun movie. Uh, Captain Marvel, which I really enjoyed, didn't make the list, and one that came out later in the year that was nearly as good as the first one. And which is very rare in a sequel, but that was Zombieland 2. So we'll start at number five with 
a movie that came out towards the end of the year, and that's going to be Dr. Sleep. A sequel to The Shining. Very well written. It was very well thought out. I enjoyed the acting. The inclusion of the little girl really kind of pumped the story up. Uh, being that it was, uh, I think it's set 35 years later or something like that. Yeah. But it was an excellent movie. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. My number four movie is going to be Spider-Man Far From Home. Super fun. I really enjoyed it. The the There's something that I love about the vulnerability of Peter Parker in general, but especially Tom Holland as Peter Parker. He really sells that whole vulnerability angle that you expect from Spider-Man. So Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be my number four. My number three is going to be a movie that I really enjoyed, except for the last five minutes. And that's <laughs> that's why it's number three. But the movie itself was very good. I really liked it. And if you just shut the movie off with like, I don't know, three to five minutes left to go in the movie, you'll love it. It'll be a, it'll be a great time. It's totally worth it. And that's going to be us. I was trying My to remember, as two. you were saying that, I was like trying to remember. I'm like, what was that movie you told me about? And it was us. Yeah. 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 My, my number two movie is going to be one of the ones that I was most excited about seeing this year. And that's Alita Battle Angel. Greg and, Greg and Jimmy both talked about it. I really enjoyed this movie. It was visually stunning. The special effects were amazing. The action was fantastic. Just start to finish, it was a great roller coaster ride. Very enjoyable. I highly recommend it. But my number one movie, Greg already hit on it. And it was his number one. It's going to be my number one. The culmination of 10 years worth of effort, Avengers Endgame, has got to take number one. Just so much going on in that movie. Such payoff, too. It was oh, just such a good movie. And that's my top five. Well... We are going to move from movies. Excellent list, everyone. I have to check out those, some of those horror movies, Jimmy. I also feel like I couldn't amend my movie list in one week after I finally am able to see Parasite, which I've heard nothing but crazy good things about. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well uh, by the guy that did, uh, what was that train movie? Is it uh, Train to Is Busan? Is that in theaters right now? Uh, limited release, but it's coming out on video like early January, like 16th, 17th, something like that. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so the, we're going to talk about the breakout performers of the year. So people that either you know, have been around for a little while, but, but rose to the top this year or surprised us or just came out of nowhere to surprise everyone and be the talk of the town. Jimmy, do you have one of these? No. Okay. So you guys are going to have to deal with my list, but I'm guessing that it might actually coincide with some of your guys' lists. If you had one. So breakout performer of the year, as I already explained what it is. Number five, not a performer, but a chicken sandwich, the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Uh, and we, if you want to actually tie this into a person, it would be the social media director of Popeye's who basically caused a frenzy in which people literally got stabbed for a chicken sandwich. <laughs> 
number four, this is <laughs> and a... The, and the subsequent Twitter war that happened between Popeyes and Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I did have the chicken sandwich. Still not sure if I liked it. It took me a while to get it. It needed salt. And I was burping up, like, the tail end of whatever spices they used for, like, the rest of the day. So, I don't know. Mm. Not sure if I was... If it was... Just, uh, we'll see. Number four, this is a very big surprise to me, but it is having that six-year-old that you just heard review stuff, uh, Little Naz, Little Naz X, actually, uh, had a song called Old Town Road, which I thought my kid was just ran- like saying random stuff, and then I heard all of the other kids in his school singing it, and the song transcended country, it transcended rap, it brought together country and rap in a pretty decent way. It was one of the few kid songs that didn't drive me completely, absolutely crazy. And I just thought it was a, it was a cool little like bonding experience between parents and kids, because usually if kids like a song, it's going to be terrible. This one isn't. So old town mm-hmm. road, little Nas X will go there. Uh, my number three, this one might be a little weird, but it is a character. It is someone that was in the movie us, but Winston Duke, but he mm. was also in Black Panther. But when he tried to try out for us, they were like, well, you're this big muscular dude. How can you play this like suburban nerdy kind of dad type? And he's like, well, that's kind of really who I am. It was the other character who I really wasn't. And nailed that part. And it was very interesting to see someone that now can I can see playing awesome badass warrior, suburban dad businessman, everything. I thought that he really kind of shined. And here's one I think would probably be on Rob's list if he made one. Uh, Anya Chalatra. Do you know who that is, Rob? Mm, not offhand. That is Yennefer. I don't reckon. Oh, okay. I thought she nailed... Yennefer is a character from The Witcher. She mm-hmm. starts off deformed, kind of. Jim. Uh, he Rob did mention it was confusing. I, too got into episode six and was very, very confused. Uh, For those of you out there watching The Witcher, just be aware that The Witcher does not age, but all the other characters do. And it causes for a little bit confusing confusion when watching well, the episodes. No, two two of the characters don't age. Yeah, two of the characters Yenne- don't age. Yennefer yeah, Yen- doesn't age either. Yeah, she doesn't she doesn't age after she gets her face changed. So basically she was she was born with a hunchback and like a, a hitch in her jaw, like her jaw was offset. And this actress who is who is very beautiful for the first half of the show plays someone who is not and plays it really well. And then she becomes beautiful. She is a very different character than you would see in a lot of the like period pieces, whatever medieval type pieces. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was great. And when, and whenever she was on the screen, I was interested in her story. I felt bad for her early on. I felt like she was a badass later on and she was, the actress was perfect. Uh, number one, who's my, the number one breakout performer of the year, Rob, Joe, baby Yoda, baby Yoda. It, there's no it, even uh, yes it's a puppet sorry rob why are you crying not okay i'm not crying <laughs> yes he's a puppet or an animation whatever depending on the scene but baby yoda took the world by storm yep and is my breakout performer of the year and a masterful genius move by disney at the request of the director to not release any merchandise featuring baby Yoda until after baby Yoda had been revealed. Correct. 
So I believe that brings us to the, our, our last one, our quote unquote big award. Do, who here has entertainers of the year? I do. I can go with the last one here. Okay. So entertainers of the year, the, the five E's. Yes. So to speak. Uh, the uh, number five entertainer of the year on my list is Kevin Feige. Um, for obvious reasons, producing and guiding the Marvel universe, the, uh, mm-hmm. this, this, uh, iteration, uh, to its beautiful end. Number four is going to be Billie Eilish. Uh, just, uh, just a really good performer. Enjoy a lot of her music. Huge, huge breakout music star. Number three, Mahershala Ali. Number two, having a huge year is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, even though I think Hobson Shaw looks stupid. <laughs> My number one, Todd Smith, vocalist and singer, songwriter from Dog Fashion Disco, Polka Dot Cadaver, um, and uh, a few El Creepo, a few other bands just putting out of a, a lot of a lot of stuff. He's th- this year's Chino Moreno for me. Nice. Interesting. See, again, I always look to your list because you're definitely not the mainstream one. Yes, I am not. And you may have hated Hobbs and Shaw, but Jumanji was so much fun. So my top five entertainers of the year, a little more mainstream. And there's one on here that I'm very surprised didn't end up on your list. Actually, two that did not end up on your list. Uh, Number five, Joaquin Phoenix for his portrayal of the Joker. Insanely good. Body changing. Uh, his not only was his portrayal of the Joker good, I've heard stories from the set about how he did everything and he cared so much for everything that he made. Everyone said that even though he was like acting crazy when as soon as the everything cut, he was back to normal. He was trying to see how he can make everyone else's performance better. And it really showed in the final thing. Keanu Reeves is my number four. Hmm. Toy Story 4, John Wick, and just generally being a good dude. And uh, didn't he have that, that streaming movie? Oh, yeah, the he was all- also – he had a cameo in a streaming movie. He was, was it Always Be My Maybe or something? Yeah, yep, which I have not seen all the way through, but yeah, that as well. It as well as, as, as Jimmy says, the internet's boyfriend. Yes. Uh, number three, for his portrayal of Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt. Uh, also, I've heard he did really good things, and at Astra, I did not get a chance to see it. Brad Pitt is my number three. He really stood out because I, I always liked him because he was in Seven, and he, even when he was considered a heartthrob, he never took the roles that you would expect because he did like th- uh, Twelve Monkeys and the Twelve Monkeys or Thirteen Monkeys, Twelve Monkeys, Thirteen Monkeys. How many monkeys, Rob? Twelve. Twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. I would actually see Thirteen Monkeys or Seven Monkeys for that matter. So anyway, Twelve you'd Monkeys. Go, you'd go see Five Monkeys and a Goat. We're not supposed to talk about that on the air. Until <laughs> my lawyer says it's okay. Anyway, Brad Pitt, amazing role. He, he was born to play Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it was great. Number two, Taika Waititi. Oh, yes. What We Do in the Shadows, Jojo Rabbit, in which he plays Hitler. And The Mandalorian, some of the best episodes of The Mandalorian were written and directed by him, as well as... And starred him. And starred him as yeah, and as a character that I was legitimately sad to see uh, go. Mm-hmm. Two times actually. 
But number one, John Favreau, by far the entertainer of the year, created and directed The Mandalorian with Dave Filoni. Can't forget about him. Was a star in Endgame and Spider-Man. He was really part of the heart of Spider-Man, the whole mm, relationship, yeah. how he was the father figure uh, as Happy. Uh, he has a show on streaming called The Chef Show in which he cooks with a with various uh, people and different types of food, and it's excellently done. Money-wise, I know Rob doesn't agree with this. I didn't hate this movie quite as much, but he did, of course, direct The Lion King. So that, for Rob, that might have knocked him back on the list, but his work yeah. on The on the Mandalorian raised him up and son of a bitch. And honestly, he started off with Iron Man and because of his work on Iron Man and introducing the Marvel universe, the way he did Endgame was able to do what it did. So John Favreau, you are my entertainer of the year. Congratulations. Really laid the groundwork. Yes. So that is 2019. Oh my god. It's over. Get ready for the uh 2020 vision um taglines for everything. Oh god. So take us out of here whoever didn't do the spoiler. Uh Rob, I guess you're taking us out of here. Sorry. I will take us out of here. Well, next week, I believe we're going to hit on a couple of things. It might be a super long episode because we're going to talk about The Witcher. We'll also hit on Rise of Skywalker as well as The Mandalorian. It's going to be Star Wars-centric. Yeah. Well, we're going to. Pro- I'm hoping to pull those out in separate episodes. I think there's going to be a lot of things that we haven't yeah. had a chance to talk about just because of the holidays and people being on travel and, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there that we haven't had an opportunity to cover yet. And we'll get to it, trust me. But if there's other stuff that you want us to get to... Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. Search for the Give Me Five podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. And if you do want to email us directly, you can send it to Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. We love reading your lists. If you've got any top five of 2019, send it to us. We'd love to read it. And please, guys, as always, leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It helps other people find us and it helps us stand out from the crowd. Also, if you're looking for any of that sweet, sweet Give Me Five podcast swag, we have a store. And you can find all of that said merchandise at givemefivepodcast.threadless.com. I'll do this part because my might Go be confusing. Uh, we are now an affiliate for Squadcast. We are not in the same room recording, probably because Jimmy likes to record not wearing pants and Rob farts a lot. And Guilty. Sir farts yeah. a lot. <laughs> that would totally be his night name. <laughs> I dub thee Sir farts a lot. And I, yeah. I fart in your general direction. Yes, and I'm basically a shut-in. So, we don't do that. We use a piece of software or a website called Squadcast, in which point we send out a link to everybody. We click on it. We can see each other. We can basically have one person record. It sounds great. And if you are a podcaster out there and want to be able to do the same thing, you can use our affiliate link, which you can find on our website, gibby5.libsyn.com. And we are going to, I believe in the next year, have an official website. We're kind of working on that right now. So surprise. And uh, you can click on that link. And 
if you sign up for Squadcast, we get a little bit of the money to keep our servers running. And I would not do this if it is not something we use. We used it a couple times, realized it was better than our previous uh, solution, and then signed up for the year. So check out the Squadcast affiliate link in our at gibby5.libsyn.com. Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And one of the big things that sold me on it, guys, is when we did have an issue, and we had an issue, but when 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 we did have an issue, we reached out to them and they contacted us before we were even finished recording. I mean, it was what, like 10 minutes, Greg? 15 yeah. minutes? And the issue was they you, reached out. user. It was me. It was my fault. Right. And they reached out, contacted us, and helped us fix it in like 10, 15 minutes. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. So check them out. Also, and here's another little thing. Just They send out an email saying when they would be available throughout the holidays, like before, like if you have any problems, you can contact contact us at this time. And they were like available to solve issues like on Christmas, like who's recording on Christmas, much less sitting there solving other people's problems on the asshats. That's who. Yes. Making other people work on Christmas. Exactly. So anyway, check that out. And thanks for listening and happy new year. Good morning. Good afternoon. And happy new year. (laughs) 